Bandwidth for Changelog is provided by Fastly. Learn more at Fastly.com. We move fast and fix things here at Changelog because of Rollbar. Check them out at Rollbar.com. And we're hosted on Linode servers. Head to Linode.com slash Changelog. This episode is sponsored by our friends at Rollbar. How important is it for you to catch errors before your users do? What if you could resolve those errors in minutes and then deploy with confidence? That's exactly what Rollbar enables for software teams. One of the most frustrating things we all deal with is errors. Most teams either A, rely on their users to report errors, or B, use log files and lists of errors to debug problems. That's such a waste of time. Instantly know what's broken and why with Rollbar. Reduce time wasted debugging and automatically capture errors alongside rich diagnostic data to help you defeat impactful errors. You can integrate Rollbar into your existing workflow. It integrates with your source code repository and deployment system to give you deep insights into exactly what changes caused each error. For our .NET friends, adding the Rollbar.NET SDK is as easy as adding the NuGet package and your API key. It supports .NET Core, ASP, MVC, Xamarin, and more. Give Rollbar a try today at no cost to you. No credit card is required. Our listeners get access to the Bootstrap plan with 100,000 events for free for 90 days. To get started, head to rollbar.com slash changelog. All right, welcome back, everyone. This is the Changelog, a podcast featuring the hackers, leaders, and innovators of open source. I'm Adam Stachowiak, editor-in-chief of Changelog. On today's show, Jared and I are on location at Microsoft Build 2018 in Podcast Central, talking to Julia White, Corporate Vice President at Microsoft, 17-year Microsoft veteran. We talk with Julia about her take on this new Microsoft, Satya's first appearance as CEO, when they revealed the first glimpse of Microsoft's cloud offering, which started this office, the beginnings of Microsoft Azure, how Azure is becoming the world's computer, and how every company is becoming a software company. Let's start by going back a little further, maybe to the beginning yeah. of maybe this cloud. It seems like maybe a story of the beginning. Oh, wow. Um, it was... The day you were born. An awesome <laughs> day in 2014. <laughs> Just kidding. Um, it was Satya's first CEO appearance, roughly, uh-huh. unveiling what I think... And so I'm hoping you can share more of the story. It seems like maybe that was the beginning of mm. what is now Microsoft's cloud. Um, Office was the first thing you were rolling out in terms of, you know a cloud-based application mm. to different devices. You were his co-presenter. Oh, Your jacket got a yes. lot of press as much as you did. You got know, take it. us back to those days. Take us back to, yeah. you know, that story, that cloud day, the, yeah. those days in the cloud. Yeah. Well, we, so that day was big for a lot of reasons. Yeah. We'd already been in the cloud, but I think people kind of woke up and really right. realized we're serious. The messaging started. Yeah. yeah I think it started sinking in. And, yeah. and, but, you know, we'd put a lot of, of the groundwork down, which was important. So that when people started paying attention, we were ready. Um, but as much as any Anything. I think that when you know Satya came to the helm and, and starting with that day, but it's continued on since then, it was a real clear pivot of what right. mattered. Right, right. And you know, his you know, the choice to at that moment launch the office apps on iPad, which was what blew everyone's mind, is just was what? a was an important thing, yeah. right? But it was Crossing just a over. symbol of yeah. hey, we're gonna all those things you thought we'd never do, it's gone. 
Yeah. It's the new it's the new norm, which is to break all the rules. And it was just shortly after that, I think he stood up and had that Microsoft loves Linux moment. Uh, similarly, of just really trying to set down the clear guidelines of like, this is where we're going. We're going to go where our customers are, and we want to make them successful wherever they choose to use, which is obviously a big shift. I want to pin one thing down, too, because in this keynote was, I think it was um, Scott Guthrie's keynote where he said, Microsoft loves open source. So yeah. you got the Linux movement there, but yeah. I think what's interesting is that, you know, this is the beginning of the cloud for you, but you've been with Microsoft for a long time. So I want yep. to share that story because you've yeah. got such a history. Yeah. And you've seen Microsoft maybe in a day where developers didn't, maybe open source developers, any developers had less love, or maybe there was a different, what did Julia say, Julia Lucian, how did she frame it? A different lens, I think is what she said, for uh -huh. the way Microsoft's perspective was. Yeah. You've been here for a while, so that was a turning yeah. moment. Yeah. How has maybe the the vision of Microsoft, maybe the perspective of Microsoft changed since mm -hmm. the beginning for you? Wow. You've been here for a um, while. I know, 17 years. Uh, makes me wince a little bit when I say that. <laughs> well, 2001 was the year I got out of the military, so. Ah, okay, so there you go, right? Yeah. Uh, long time ago. That was a long time uh -huh. ago. So you feel it too. Uh, <laughs> I was like, it feels like yesterday, but it wasn't at all. It was not yesterday. Uh, no, no. Um, yeah, well, my gosh, back when I started 17 years ago, I remember we had the anti-Linux campaign. It was one of the big, I remember the guy leading it, and it was like, Linux is free like a puppy. All those right. like, crazy campaigns. And, you know, and it's so funny now. I remember I spoke at, I did the Red Hat keynote, I guess two, uh, three years ago now. Right. And I remember thinking, God, that's different. Like, yeah. here I am, you know, yeah, well, we're, talking about our great partnership, and this is amazing, and we love Linux, and uh, when I, you know, 17 years, you know, from now, it was a very, very different thing. Yeah. So I think just a big shift. And I, I think there was always energy there, but there was just a strong mantra of like, you know, windows are bust. Windows are bust, windows are bust. And just now we, we recognize that we just don't, that's just not reality, and we don't need to do that. We can be, you know, we want to be with wherever our customers are. Do you have any insight into the windows are bust mentality now? Like, what mm. the perspective is on windows in comparison to say, the world's a computer, you know? and. Windows right. is a part of that world as a computer, but not right. the computer. Right. It seems like Azure, which you run, yeah. is the computer. That I mean, that's it's the open platform. Right? Right. You run anything you want to run. You can use whatever tools, whatever language, whatever database. Uh, and it's, so it's a very different. Yeah, we still have a point of view. Like, gosh, we think Azure is very differentiated, and it's the, you know this growing computer for the world. But it right. runs anything, everything. Welcomes all developers versus having a you know operating system or a toolkit perspective right. on top of it. The reason why I ask these questions is because I feel like our audience, very any developer, very open source focused. Right. The changelog has been, like, we pretty much cover open source. The language is the technology is the people. Right. And I feel like maybe they need to kind of keep getting reminded that Microsoft, Microsoft is changing. Right. And someone like you can help them evolve their perspective of Microsoft. Yeah, you know, I always talk about perception lags reality by, you know, three to five years. And I think we're in that place with the open source community where what we're doing is actually, I mean, this ironic moment, we were working with GitHub recently and looked at the contributions of the, what Microsoft's doing and it exceeds all these other, all these other companies are known at their core. Did you try that? Was that like a, was that purposeful? In terms of what? But the, this, the contributions to GitHub like, that, you know, you kind of. Like to get that stat, like, yeah. oh, we're going like, to be the We're going to get it, that 
you know. We didn't. We didn't like, like say, hey, we're going to be number one. In. We really weren't. I mean, to me, it's one of those moments where you're like, wow, it's not something we're faking or trying to make it. And it just happened. Yeah. It literally just happened in terms of we said, hey, everyone, we're, I mean, we're thousands of developers. Go forth and do what makes you successful internally. Right. And that's, this, is where, this is where we got to in terms of the contribution. So it's amazing. To me, that's like a true indicator of change. Uh, if Satya set out to do it a few years back, and yeah. it actually happened when you see that kind of stat. One of the things that I've been thinking about uh, with regards to Microsoft's, we'll just call it success in open source, yeah. is, is that open source, uh, the, the mindset is really a, and it's, a, it's an idealistic mindset that we realize doesn't exist in reality, but there's this meritocracy to it. Yeah. Where it's like, may the best code win, or the, yep. you know, let the cream rise to the top. And on our best days, you can't market, or you can't, like, shove, or you can't no. do anything except for, like, show up with your software mm -hmm. to get the respect that people earn through open source uh, efforts. Right. And it seems like, specifically with VS Code, but, I mean, there's many other efforts as well. Sure. It's like maybe the three to five year lag is because Microsoft, you guys have been mm -hmm. earning it through yeah. like shipping awesome open source software that is really like contributed so much to the, the whole ecosystem. It's like, wow, you know, right. even but, my, what's kind of cool is like even Microsoft has to earn it and then you guys have. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's what I would talk to people are like, I don't understand this community and how it works. And I, I always start with exactly your point of it's absolutely earned. You can't buy your way into it. You can't like relationship your way in. Like you just earn it, which I love at some level. It's just so true and authentic. But yeah, it is. It is absolutely earned. But it takes time. It takes a long time. Yeah. So, but that's okay. We're in. We're doing this thing. <laughs> Not committed. I mean, that, the thing I love actually is when you look and I, you know, of course we look at the other clouds out there, and uh, I actually think we're in a weird and crazy, ironic way, being more open source friendly than yeah. the alternatives, which is. Like, how did we become the best in class? Like, right. <laughs> someone who's been around this long, it's interesting. But I love it. I'm like, yeah. let's go forward and just blow everyone's minds. Anything <laughs> unexpected coming up for open source? Like, anything that's that, Windows, or some, anything that's like... <laughs> someone did ask me yesterday, <laughs> when are you open sourcing Windows? That's going to be the last one. Um, let's see. I mean, I think we... We are considering things you, that might surprise you. Uh, right? I don't know exactly when and how they'll come to light, but I think, I mean, honestly, like everything's on the table. Huh. What's what's right for the future of the company? And and again, Azure brings a different perspective to everything of like what helps Azure grow. Yeah. Right. What, do, what do we need to use for that? Let's go back to the beginning of Azure a little bit and that, yeah. that any platform, right, anything mm -hmm. runs on Azure. Old Microsoft, it would be Windows, right? Windows sure. runs on Azure and it's going to be Windows. Yep. Was that decision hotly debated, you know, was mm. what was the conversation right. around, are we going to go this way or that? Because that was yeah. really like a fork in the road for you guys. It was. I mean, we started, it was called Windows Azure when we launched it, if you remember. Uh, I do not remember that, but Yeah, that makes when a lot we first sense. launched it, it was called Windows Azure. And then uh, it was, I can't remember how many years later, under Satya, that it became Microsoft Azure. Uh, and we were, you know, we welcome all. So, it, you know, it wasn't, Interestingly, though, in the pivot of like we do, how much do we support Linux and what does it look like and how serious are we? It was one of those things where there was a little bit of pressure, a little bit of pressure. But then as soon as Satya came forward, it was like, of course, it was just this fast, like absolute decision to move forward. So yeah. and now actually Azure's half Linux, half uh, Windows. You look at the number of VM, the VMs running, so it's you know perfectly even. What's your perspective on Satya's maybe earning it too? Like you know, mm -hmm. new CEO, new direction. How did he? set the tone, how did he gain trust from the rest of Microsoft to move those directions? Was it like easy for him? Like what are some clear things he's done that, that helped enable this new Microsoft? Yeah, I mean like in, from an internal perspective? 
anything you share, like you know, yeah. your perspective. I mean, you, you've been a co-presenter with him. You've been here yeah. for a very long time. I made him improve president. his style. Is that right? Oh, I just want to make <laughs> sure he gets right. points for that. Well, the jacket. Right? Did you jacket. end up getting a Twitter handle for the jacket? We never did launch a Twitter handle for the jacket. What's but, the uh, jacket? Yeah, tell yeah, them about so the jacket. So the jacket. So we when uh, Satya's first press appearance after becoming CEO, and I was his co-presenter, uh, <laughs> and I wore this leather jacket that I didn't think was a big deal. It's just a leather jacket. <laughs> right. Many of my leather jackets, and uh, like the internet blew up over this thing, and because people like because they so would loved it. She no, they loved cool. it. They thought it was awesome. Okay. And. Apparently it was awesome. <laughs> it was awesome. I know. It's I had no like idea the best it was purchase ever. Like, right? I, just you were I know. Someone a nice was jacket. like, "You need to put that thing in the Microsoft Museum. It's made in like <laughs> Microsoft history with your jacket." So literally for like two years after that stupid presentation, that wonderful presentation, I'm still like, everyone's like, are "I don't you? know who you are, but I know you got a good jacket. I know so, you and your jacket." Um, so, but now I, you're trying to. Oh, there it is. That oh, is. Oh, he's pulling it I'm up. Now so seeing you a can picture see of that. But every, uh, yeah, see, and ever since then, uh, every keynote, people are like, well, I got to look good. I got to look cool. There's this new bar. I even had our CFO, Amy Hood, who was not known for dressing up. Uh -huh. She dresses like a, I don't know, a 16-year-old coder for most days. Um, <laughs> and uh, she did one presentation, and she was like, I, I was getting ready in the morning. I just thought, what would Julia wear? What would Julia wear? That's what I got to <laughs> do. What would Julia wear? I feel like maybe okay. I should start asking myself that because... <laughs> I could use some so, help over here. Yeah, the jacket I is super cool. We'll we'll include a link in the show notes for anybody chomping at the bit to want to see this. But that is a cool jacket. Very cool jacket. Yeah, so I could see why. So you you helped him get a better style. I, 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 I take credit for a little bit of image improvement of the company okay, with that moment, okay. and then raising the bar and all of the executives <laughs> to look a little better. Okay, you know. So let's uh, keep so keep on your keeping part. at it. Playing your part. <laughs> so aside from style, how else? Yeah. Um, you know, how does Satya change the direction for the company? Like, what are some milestones for him that you can see that he's done that earn trust from internally yeah. as a company. Yeah. I think, you know, it, not, nothing of this size of change happens overnight. And so, honestly, I think some of his his magic in having the change is just being super consistent mm. day in, day out, day in. And as, you know, a new conversation arises, like, oh, should we do this or should we do this? Should we open source? Should we not? Should we contribute back or not? It's, yes. Yes, like lots and lots and lots of decisions every day that, you know, very consistent on the execution. And, and Scott Guthrie, too. I mean, it's not just yeah, Satya, sure. Right, of course. It's a um, team. Yeah, it takes, a, you know, a well, lot of well, us. Well, why I asked that is because you had a, a different direction under previous management, let's just yeah. say. And not naming names, we all know them. But, you know, <laughs> it's a big shift. It's a new Microsoft, and, and everybody mm -hmm. keeps saying that. So I'm, yeah. I think we've had conversations with different executives, different vice presidents yeah. in Microsoft, and we keep kind of whittling back to where did it begin mm. and how did it happen. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of what we're getting at. Got it. Yeah. I mean, it sounds so simple, but it's it begins with starting with what makes our customers successful. And if you start from that point of view versus like I have versus starting with the point of view of like, hey, here's my agenda and I'm going to shove it on our customers versus, hey, what is our customer's agenda and how do we fulfill that? Mm -hmm. It seems really simple, but it actually just comes down to that of like, hey, we have... We want to make sure our customers are super successful, and let's make sure they, we work that direction versus the other way. Do you remember the first conversations around open source? Very first conversation. One interesting thing, so just from where I was, so I, I was in the Office 365 team uh, for, the, for like eight years, and then it was three years I moved over to Azure. So we'd already pivoted on the Azure side to embracing open source fully by the time I arrived into the Azure side of things. So in my, my office life, all those conversations were, do we support Android? Do we support iOS? Like, what, How do we do that? So that was why the office on iPad was so pivotal for that moment. Mm -hmm. But I think it, it's less about being open source, but about being cross-platform. Sure. Right? Because it, it was super symbolic of this is a new direction. Yeah. Um, and then when I came over to Azure, like we'd made the decision and we had been braced 
racing and we were supporting it. We like we were, I worked on this partnership with Red Hat. But it, you know, when you go out and go out into the world, people had no idea that we were doing it. Or if they heard us about us doing anything open source, they were super skeptical and they assumed it was because you know they embrace and extinguish. I got told that a lot. Yeah. Um, I see what you're you're really just going to embrace and extinguish. I understand. Um, so the conspiracy theory so high, uh, which is fine. You know, I understand. You yeah. Know, you have to earn your way out of that, uh, which I think we have. So right. getting more serious. And then there's just kind of executing it consistently. I never want to keep bringing you back to the fire, so to speak, to keep seeing how you earned it. But, the, again, but he's I'm about go, to. No, I, I'm going to just go back to just yeah. explaining why, just so you, you know, yeah. like our audience is very developer, very open source, yep. very indie. And I think there's just been this, as Julia said, this different lens, this different perspective perspective of Microsoft that is changing and I want to give them yeah. a reason to see, I see why they can begin to evolve that perspective. What makes it credible? Is, yeah. Well, I don't want you to keep going on about it. I just, that's, I'm just explaining our perspective. Yeah. No, why, it's helpful. Why we're it, asking those questions. And no, it's helpful to understand the lens that people will kind of listen to this. Of, yeah. What are they looking for? Like, if, in a business sense, Azure's not going to be successful unless we're super successful with open source. Like, just, yeah. Yeah. Matt, you know, my CFO cares because Azure can't grow if we're only a Windows platform. Yeah. That is a very limited growth. We can have a much, much bigger growth opportunity. So like just dollars and cents wise, we have to do it. Right. We need to do it. We want to do it on that front. And then, I mean, the other thing I think about our own intern, I mean, we're so developer oriented internally, like we're super dev culture. Yeah. And, you know, they're out there like, hey, I want to build fast. I want to build efficient. I want to contribute. Gosh, open source is a super <laughs> efficient way to do that. And it just happened when you're like, when you said mm -hmm. kind of go forth, use whatever you want, innovate however you want. Like, that just happened. It wasn't because yeah. the developers right. went there and they saw the efficiency of it and how useful it was to use all this different open source code and bring it into our products. I mean, so. in my perspective, Microsoft is, as for a very long time, maybe I would say always, but I don't know the, the entire history of the company, but for a very long time been developer centric, mm -hmm. but it was always the developers on the Windows platform. And right. so there was like this huge swath of developers that there's, you're outside of the sphere, mm -hmm. and so there was no developer centric for them. But now, because of the shift to ser services, yeah. with Azure at the forefront of that, yeah. well, now it's everywhere, all developers. Right, I mean, that's the thing. I mean, if we used to be about our Windows platform and getting developer engagement on our Windows platform, we had a very specific point of view. Yeah. Kind of to Julie Lucent's point of view, like, hey, this is, there was a lens about Windows developers and how we get them. And then when suddenly you say, hey, it's not about a Windows platform, it's about this Azure cloud platform, then you're like, oh, all the rules change. Like, oh, okay, I can right. think about things completely differently. Uh, so, yeah, it, it, it is the same developer centricity, but a totally different business lens. Completely different business model, yeah. which allows that. And it's really, it's interesting, just the broad sweeping implications of that, of that primary, I mean, it's a big decision, yes. but away from Windows platform and towards cloud platform or Azure, uh, just completely changes the, the, you know, the opportunities mm. for the business yeah. decision making. Every, it's a whole new ballgame. This episode is brought to you by Linode, our cloud server of choice. It's so easy to get started. Head to linode.com slash changelog, pick a plan, pick a distro, and pick a location, and in minutes, deploy your Linode cloud server. They have drool-worthy hardware, native SSD cloud storage, 40 gigabit network, Intel E5 processors, simple, easy control panel, 99.9% .9 uptime guaranteed. We are never down. 
24-7 customer support, 10 data centers, three regions, anywhere in the world they got you covered. Head to linode.com slash change to get $20 in hosting credit. That's four months free. Once again, linode.com slash changelog. Let's talk about Azure. Yes, near and if dear I'm to my a, heart. Yeah, near and dear to your heart. You know your competition better than yeah. we do. You know, there's lots of big players in this space. Sure. Um, how does Azure stack up, and what you said it's differentiated? Give us some of the yeah. give us some of the highlights of yeah. why Azure is differentiated. I love that. I never never gotten that question before. Just so you're clear. <laughs> <Really>? <laughs> I've never thought about that. My, no. Yeah, threw my slider in there. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I wasn't ready for the differentiation question. <laughs> on, what do you mean? There's someone else out there. Um, what? Yeah, I have to say, like being the the number two cloud in the world, it's, it keeps you on your toes. It's kind of a fun place. I was in office for all these years where you had this number one position. The incumbent, yeah. Yeah, right? And it's all about protecting the franchise. And, uh, you know, it's so fun to switch over to Azure where you're like, oh, no, we got to, like, go, baby. Yeah. Uh, all right. So why, uh, what do we differentiate? I think the core of it goes back to that developer experience. And, and we have, you know, we went, kind of spent some time, like, what's the soul of Azure? Because the company, we, you know, Satya made us all spend a time, like, what's the soul of Microsoft? Why do we exist in his very interesting and philosophical approach to problems? And we did the same thing on Azure. Like, what's our soul? And what do we want to stand for? And the thing we came back to is that de developer being productive and having that incredible developer productivity experience as part of our cloud. I'm like, it's just a developer platform. That's what it is. Yeah. And so that's our core. How do we do that differently? And it's and there's tech, fine. We'll support all the same tech everyone else does and other things. But how we do it. So one of the things I talk about is around serverless, like event-driven, uh, you know, came out. Yeah. So AWS launched Lambda, innovative, new, but they didn't, put a lot of support around it. It wasn't like, you got to kind of figure it out. You know, on the forums, people are like, this is kind of complicated. I don't get it yet. And then when we brought out functions, we like had the whole kind of VS toolkit ready with SDKs, we had support and docs around it so that yeah. you can just get going. And it's a subtle thing, but to me, it's a good example of, you know, how we think about, we want every developer, whether you've never heard of serverless in your whole life or whether you're like the master, we want you to be great at this. We want to make sure you can be incredibly productive with building whatever you want to build. Uh, and so they, that's as we think about the technology and how we support it, that delivery of it um, is much about you know, how we want to be different and more helpful, frankly. Mm. And I also, there's a little bit of, um, you know, Microsoft always been great at saying, hey, we want everyone to be successful. We want to make it something that everyone has can uh, access and not have any judgment. And I think yeah. I look at some of the, competi the competitors and I see there's a little bit of judgment. You're like, if you're not like the leading edge developer and you don't totally get cloud and then, you know, there's a little bit of like. Which mm. is intimidating, right? Yeah, there's a little bit of like, eh, I guess you don't get it. Uh, and like, <laughs> I'm like, I don't judge. We welcome all and I want everybody to be successful. Yeah. I don't want any kind of like, oh, I guess you don't get it. Too bad for you. I don't know. I just think that edge doesn't work. So that's how yeah. I want to. It's interesting you got there by doing a little soul searching. Yeah. I got, we're big fans of retrospectives big fans of iteration and just in the case of Microsoft you've been around long enough to kind of re-examine who you are for sure and even at a at one single service level to understand what's the direction because mm -hmm. you can't you can't get everybody on board of a plan right unless you understand who you are and what you're going to do yes right 
can you maybe share a bit more about that that retrospective aspect, yeah. like going into that, like who was involved? Yep. How did you get there? Yep. What were some thoughts that came, came from that? Yeah, it was a really important time because I think you know because AWS had started so many years before us. As we came in as a you know in the, kind of a second place in the in the delivery order, I'd call it. We really had to say we can't just like chase the leader. Like that strategy is the most flawed strategy you can find, right? No one wants the same technology from and also ran or me yeah. too. Yeah, right, and no one wants that, right? So you know, but we were. We had to do some just core, you know, matching the tech. So there was work to be done just to make sure we had, you know, equivalent technology from a VM, you know, uh, right. networking storage, that kind of thing. But then we had to stop and really, and it was the entire leadership team, and it was a pretty long process because we really had to, it had to be true and authentic because people had to buy into it. Kind of like, our, you know, we had to earn our own stuff internally, right, to get everyone yeah. on board. And it started with just, you know, what are the, what's going on in the, in the industry broadly? What are the topics from a trend and a technology perspective? But then I really got into these in-depth, like long, like over dinner sessions with customers and we'd wallow with them and, and we'd, we'd you'd start tech, right? And then you stop and you start more talking about like, what about you and what do you want as a human? And really like getting this another level of conversation with developers, with IT admins, with business decision makers. And the thing we kept hearing was like, this is like a little scary and a little overwhelming. And after you got past the idea of like, this is awesome and there's so much cool tech and it's super great and I can't wait to do event-driven and containers are awesome. And then they'd be like, and I think it's a lot of work, and I don't know how to, which one I should be using. And everyone thinks I should know, and I don't know, and I'm kind of scared by that. And um, and everyone, and I remember a couple guys. They were like paused, and they kind of were like, "I just have imposter syndrome all the time." That's how it feels, <laughs> right? And like those yeah. to me were like those gems of okay, there's tech, and there's uh, but there's but then there's this like truth, and this like quiet place inside of like. What are you going to do about that? So that's what we like grabbed onto. Like, hey, we we can understand that. We can empathize with that in a way that mm. I think other companies who are newer and haven't been through the journey that we've been and the humble, you know, reevaluate self reevaluation that we went through as a company that gives you a new perspective on the world versus you know the hubris of you know never making mistakes. Right. Um, and so I think it allowed us to hear that in a different way. And so that's really started to be centering. And then we had this conversation like, God, what's the that's the history of our company that's been true of our DNA since the beginning of time and um, and one of the engineering leaders who works for Scott started saying let's help our customers fall into the pit of success how do we find that in like this pit of success idea so uh, anyway so it was a long you know kind of iterated iterated where I really started to get to the point where we would talk to anyone across the team and you just see them they'd like get it and they're like right. yeah that's what we are. That's how we're different. That's what we stand for. That's how we're going to change the world. And it started to emotionally hook them. Uh, you kind of see it. So that, you know, culmination over like the whole course of the time, it was probably nine months of uh, wow. really iterating, spending time thinking like, is that quite right? Not quite right. Move forward and kind of picking our spot. To give you a little credit to your nearest competitor, they'd never shipped box software. Mm -hmm. So you kind of was born in an idea of you have to get it right because if not, it's a recall. Right? It's true. We yeah. talked to Julian about yeah. Julian Lucian about the the idea of like what was it uh, recall bugs? I believe is what it uh -huh. was. Like the terror, recall right? class bug, yeah. Recall class Ooh. bugs where you have to ship software to a store yeah. in a box and somebody buys it, buys a license of it. Yeah. It's a different world. They never Amazon never had to do that with AWS. That, that was never a box software mentality for them. Nope. So to have to reevaluate how you they do are pretty what good you at do. shipping boxes though. <laughs> yes. <laughs> the different kind of boxes. <laughs> whole different kind of box. Yeah, a whole different <laughs> kind of box. But, but yeah, no, we remember those days of recast call but recast class bugs. Yeah. Like whoo. So, I mean it had yeah. to change you had to change yes. your perspective. Yeah. Because you had a different DNA then. For and sure. to evolve into the new 
yes. cloud-based world, every everything is a computer. Yes. Or every was the world's computer. Yeah, yeah. You had to evolve. Absolutely. And then actually, I mean that the real like the real cloud story of Microsoft didn't actually start with Azure. It actually started back with Exchange, our Exchange server. Okay. Our email server. Yeah. yeah. Um, and it was it was actually Ray Ozzy, a million years ago. And we you know, happened to be on the exchange, running the exchange server business back then. And he came into the company, and he, he remember he'd come along, and he'd, he'd sit with us, and he'd be like, I don't know what's going on at Microsoft here. I feel like this world's happening, and like time has stood still here. And I remember Terry Myerson actually was the engineering leader of exchange back then, and I was leading the, the um, business side. And you know, Ray would say these things that were just like, Ah, like, oh my God, can that be true? Mm. Like, this world is gone somewhere, and we are being left behind, and wow. like, you know, and and so Terry would be like, ah, oh, think, you know, what are we gonna do about this? And so finally, uh, Terry Myerson, I give him tons of credit. He's like, we're going to the cloud, we're putting this stuff in the cloud, we're doing it, and uh, and everyone thought he was crazy, like literally thought he was crazy. So he actually did it in secret. He did this thing called Exchange Labs, where he launched it as an education program for universities as an excuse to be able to ship things in the cloud that no one, you know, wasn't going to affect businesses. So he stood out, you know, stayed out of the line of fire from the sales team and other things. And so we started kind of secretly out of the back closet <laughs> creating this cloud service for wow. our email system and under Exchange Labs. And it was this crazy and insane story. And Ray Ozzy, every time someone would like, you know, light up at the company, be like, what is this thing? And Ray Ozzy would like protect it and shut him down. And, uh, you know, we were always like running, like, Ray, help. And, wow. you know, and, uh, and that's how it started like uh, so many years ago. I can't even, I want to say like 10, 12 years ago, like a long time ago, yeah. we put the first thing in the cloud. And that's when we learned, I remember they came to me, they're like, how do you, how are we going to do, you know, customer support on services and how are we going to make money in subscriptions? And I was like, I got no idea. I'll go figure that out. Hold on. You know, <laughs> like, let's go figure that out. And, uh, and then anyway, but we did it. And then that became over time exchange online. And that over time from there became Office 365. And then right about that time was when the original Windows Azure launched. But that was our first shove into commercial cloud was over huh. this interesting yeah. Ray Ozzy sponsored side project. <laughs> where, where do you think Microsoft would be if you didn't have Azure the cloud direction? If you didn't change mm -hmm. direction? If you didn't agree that you were stuck in time and everybody else was moving forward, so to speak. Right. What, where do you think Microsoft would be if you didn't do what you've we'd done? We'd be in a bad place. I mean, we'd be in a bad place. I agree. Right? I mean, yeah. the world, this cloud services is where the world is going. It's There's unquestionable, and because it's it's a better model. Right? Yeah. <laughs> there's so many, and I, you know, there's so much truth to it. I want to make clear when I say that um, we have a, a clear worldview about the, the cloud and edge, right? And we talk about hybrid cloud and you know, intelligent cloud, intelligent edge is another kind of a flavor of that essentially, yeah. where the edge is not just not your data center. Your edge is this distributed thing. So when I say the world's going to a cloud model, that means the approach, not necessarily that every piece of code will sit on right. a public. It's cloud. involved. Yeah. Yeah, but it is the center of the soul of this truth. thing. Yeah. Um, so I, you know, we would be in a really bad place, and it would be true for the Office franchise as well as you know what we're doing on the uh, the Azure side of things. So absolutely essential. Like we would be in you know a sad, sad, sad decline. Not number three in the world. No. No, no, that was essential. So I know as I was actually just doing a video for Terry Myerson's farewell, and I, I said, thank you. you. You shoved us kicking and screaming into public cloud. And like you had the kahunas to do that where a lot of us didn't.
This episode is brought to you by our friends at GoCD. GoCD is an open source continuous delivery server built by ThoughtWorks. Check them out at GoCD.org or on GitHub at GitHub.com slash GoCD. GoCD provides continuous delivery out of the box with its built-in pipelines, advanced traceability, and value stream visualization. With GoCD, you can easily model, orchestrate, and visualize complex workflows from end to end with no problem. They support Kubernetes and modern infrastructure with elastic on-demand agents and cloud deployments. To learn more about GoCD, visit gocd.org slash changelog. It's free to use. They have professional support and enterprise add-ons available from ThoughtWorks. Once again, gocd.org slash changelog. You're a corporate vice president at Microsoft, which is one of the largest companies in the world. Yeah. We're a, a budding Tiny. Uh, media company. You're, you're effectively looking at our company. Right. There's more of it's impressive. There's more than it's just impressive. us. So I suspect <laughs> we live a very different lives. Hmm. I'm thinking about your work life. Hmm. What does what's it mean to be a corporate vice president? And I was just thinking you have to have worlds of insight into leadership, into hmm. getting things done, pushing the ball forward. Can you share with us you know, stuff that you've learned through the years mm-hmm. about how to inspire people to, you know, to do what they're doing and how to yeah. you know, push the ball forward at Microsoft? We all got an opinion, so I'm happy to give you mine Okay. Uh, from the wisdom, wisdom that I've gleaned over these years. <laughs> um, I think, first of all, I think uh, as a leader, like, authenticity is so core to everything, and I think other human beings smell bullshit. Can I say that? Um, I have a bit of a potty mouth, so I just got to check myself. Um, no, but I, like human beings smell that. Like if you don't feel like that leader is being authentic and true to you, and you know, and brave, even though they're they don't know all the answers, like people waver. And so I think that's so so important is saying super authentic to who you are and what you believe, um, and getting people to follow you and want to work with you and be with you and take these crazy risks with you. Uh, so that's super essential. Um, I think as a leader in tech, particularly you constantly have to be like questioning everything you've done and just because it worked last year doesn't mean it's going to work next year and that that like uncomfortable push of changing all the time yeah. you know human beings don't love change it's caused us to survive all these years um being risk averse um but like that absolutely destroys you in technology and so having the willingness to be like we i know we did everything like that last year we're going to change it all next year and you know everyone's like oh and there's so much resistance in the system yeah. and like, i remind myself constantly as a leader like hey a lot of resistance a lot of pushback doesn't mean you're wrong it just means you're driving change and change is hard and there's uncomfort to that with with all the people around you so being bold and courageous in those moments of heightened resistance is still super important. And I always, you know, I talk to teams and other things of, you know, change doesn't feel good, but doesn't mean it's wrong. And you have to separate the discomfort and and being wrong and realize those are different things. And so don't take that signal. And a lot of times I'm like, hey, we got to go change, drive this change. We got to move forward. People like everyone's upset about it. And I'm like, and you still got to go do it. (laughs) It doesn't matter. Like there's good ways to do it bad, but uh, there just know that that is a truth. And I think it took me a while early in my career of like, oh, there's a lot of resistance resistance I must be wrong yeah. and you're like actually no it's the opposite oftentimes how can you detect that is it is it always in retrospect or how do you know when 
the resistance mm-hmm. because we're wrong and, right. or versus the resistance right. because it's changed. Because you can become quick, quickly tone deaf if you're like, I'm always right, everyone's always wrong, exactly. I just have to jam my ideas on them. Exactly. Yes. So I think that that combined with um, with really truly listening and really like, that empathy, like listening with empathy, not just listening for what I want to hear. For most people, like listen for what they want and then they remember that part. Yeah. Um, but or just waiting for their chance to talk. Yeah, there's that. But I think, you know, Satya spent a lot of time on empathy, which I to me is like been so essential in my career really really understanding when someone's saying i hate your idea let me tell you why i think you're you're totally wrong and i'm like let me okay i really want to know. listen yeah like okay i i don't want to be wrong yeah like please that's a gift if you think i'm wrong i want to know why welcome and like, criticism yeah and like yeah. listen and really listen and i really try and understand where they're coming from and their their condition of being so i can say you know what from where you sit and the pressures you're under and the what motivates you and what people are expecting of you your perspective makes a ton of sense now i really understand what your point of view is and i understand why mm-hmm. you don't like what i'm doing and then i can evaluate and say hey there's real truth in there that that i have to listen to or like gosh that is a condition of being that would of course make you resistant to this yeah i get it or is there I other people it. that feel the same way yeah. Is this systemic across the team? Right. You know, right. Can, do we need to pause and change one thing before we change several things? things. Yeah. Yes, because sometimes your idea could be right and how you're doing it is bad, right? Right. <laughs> so sometimes you need a minor course that. correction, but or sometimes you need to change directions, right? Yes. Clarity, expectation, those are yeah. things that often leave people in, in you know, lack of clarity. Yeah. No, it's true. Go back and here's the mission. Here's why we're doing it. Mm-hmm. This is why it makes sense. Mm-hmm. I understand you're in the, these circumstances, but this is the way we should move forward and for yeah. these reasons. Yeah. Yeah. You know, there's we got we've done a bunch of research at Microsoft around um, brain, you know, decision making, human condition, emotion, reaction, and actually with a bunch of uh, like uh, PhDs in brain sciences uh, to help our leadership team in general get is better. That right? I know, awesome. It's fascinating. You like, have a, a a team of PhD, PhDs, PhDs available to you to yeah. make decisions. You know, it's nice. <laughs> Why few, not? There's right? a few. I love that. Few upsides of being a big company like ours. <laughs> yeah. um, but that's one of them. And the the leadership principles that have been laid out, and they're so <clears> beautiful, and they're so simple, and they're so true which are clarity, which you just spent time talking about, yes. um, and energy, and business results. Like, those three things. Like, if everything you do as a leader kind of comes down to that, of like, can you create clarity about where you're going, why you're doing it, what's the purpose? I, I'm, people getting really understanding it, yeah. creating energy, meaning, like, people want to follow you, that people are in, they're, like, putting their whole selves in this, and, like, they're yeah. going, they're, fo- they're with you, they're, like, getting rid of the, uh, the resistance, and then delivering the results, and of course, gives you the reward of like, hey, that you know, let's do more of that. So, um, I like every day, literally come to work. I'm like, all right, clarity, energy, results, clarity, energy, results. Cl- you know, and it's just it's so simple, uh, yet it's so incredibly effective. Huh. I like that, Jared, a lot. Clarity, energy, results. I like that. Too. Yep. See, everyone, you remember it too. Mm. See, breaks it all down because there's like 65 wheels of leadership. Blah blah blah. Right. I can't remember that crap. <laughs> <laughs> Give me three. <laughs> yeah, totally. I can I can operate on three. Yeah, and you can do a lot of other things great, but like those three are like essential. Right. Yeah. So it's interesting. We spoke with we're speaking with you. We spoke with Corey Sanders, and we yeah. also spoke with Steve Guggenheimer, and you know, in like upper leadership positions. And I can't speak to the results, but across all three of you, what I'm experiencing, listening, and just conversing with you is. Mm clarity for sure mm. energy is like the number one thing i'm you know like there's a lean in there's an mm. excitement definitely to mm. all three of the your guys response to these questions so it just like it, it manifests but itself I, but i'm really i'm of the three i'm really the best yes of course <laughs> sure Corey, you hear that that's right <laughs> on the playback listen Corey. I mean, he's got like yeah, he's got the worst jokes like but he wins there but yes. uh you know <laughs> if you can win for being the worst i guess <laughs> what's a day one. like in your day 
never the same, I would say. Uh, I mean, I, what I do in my spend, where I spend my energy is essentially creating, making sure that people have the right direction, and then I'm getting obstacles out of their way. Like, what do we need? This is where we got to go. What do we need to get it done? And you know, some days I miss so I could sit down and like write something or put, you know, build something. But it's about making sure that the the direction we have set uh, is moving forward smoothly. And whether that's reviewing something or approving something or authorizing something or giving feedback or blocking something or, you know, tackling a blocker, uh, that's kind of how I spend my time. That's fun, right? Yeah. Tackling blockers? It's not bad. It's not bad. <laughs> sometimes it hurts. You know, I was sometimes like, sometimes I think bad. I'm going to glutton for punishment, but, you know, that's <laughs> how it works. <laughs> Can you give an example of what that maybe... Uh, what a blocker might be and how you tackle it. Maybe, maybe a fun one for you, a recent fun one. Let me think of a good one. And uh-huh. how maybe it was strategic in leadership. Uh, you know, it's super recent, so I'm gonna let me pick it because it's super recent and I think top of mind. So we announced here uh, Project Connect for Azure, basically bringing the technology that was in the Connect sensor that we launched with you know Xbox and then yeah. into the HoloLens and now essentially connected with Azure AI services to create a new very intelligent edge with this incredible depth sensor. Um, so we made the decision to, we're going to announce this, we're going to do this thing, and uh, we're going to be part of a, the Azure family. So previously it was over in the Xbox team. And um, from the Xbox perspective, they had sunsetted the product. Right. And so there was this interesting thing of like, those of us, you know, from the Azure side, were like, oh, it makes perfect sense. The Intelligent Edge is coming to four, IoT. There's so much incredible opportunity. This world so much technology sitting in that thing, right? Yeah, yeah. like unbelievable, right? But... Um, but then, like, if you were from the Xbox team, you just made the decision to end of life this thing, and then you were on, on to different pastures, and we'd worked with people to move on. And, and so it was just like, okay. So there was this incredible resistance, this idea of how we do this, and why, and when, and how we're going to, you know, go, 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 go. And it was going to feel like we're just bringing something back, and all this. And so you really had to, A, provide clarity of, like, what is this about? And how is it? And you're like, hey, what you believed this tech was for before, it's about a whole new thing. Yes, it's the same tech, but a totally new use case and a different approach and a different way. So just getting everyone kind of talked down when they were, everyone you know, came up like, oh, my God, this is ridiculous. This is crazy. Like, no, no, let me explain why it's not. But I like spend some time and making sure they understand the vision for the future versus, and then also literally listen to, like, I didn't know the history. Yeah. I was right. new to it. So I had to be like, what, it, what, what was the history? Tell me. I don't want to do the same things again. I don't want to, you know, step into yeah. big doo-doo. A history, uh, <laughs> you got to know that to not make the same mistakes. Right. They right? repeat themselves. And be sensitive to what yeah, history yeah. was and make sure that, like, when we talk about this thing that people get it and they don't be like, oh, this Stumping is on toes thing. and stuff like that. You want to do yeah. that. So it yeah. was an area where I kind of dropped in with not a lot of information, but like, go get it done kind of thing. So yeah. it was this, you know, tense, intense moment of like understanding, listening, driving, and making sure I was really hearing signal from noise and like that didn't matter, that does matter, that's relevant, that's not relevant, go. Um, so as an example. So what does the future look like for that, for the connect, you know, mm. for the connect on? Yeah. Uh, as an edge device or as the way you're thinking about it yeah. now. I'm, I can't wait. I mean, I think it's amazing. Like, literally, the camera can be still and you can render, like, a 3D understanding of an object. Like, if I think about whether it be retail or healthcare or manufacturing, so many different scenarios where suddenly what was, like, a, just a camera sitting there looking for movement can suddenly actually see something completely different and, and help people do yeah. more efficiently, especially in healthcare. There's a lot of opportunities there. Yeah. So, I mean, we're just early on this one. Um, um, but wiring it up with our AI services, you're like, man, this could be a game changer. 
So do you actually, are you going to sell it as a, like an individual product or is it like you're going to integrate this technology into new products or what's that? We're actually looking at all options at this point. Okay. Um, we just said we have great tech and we want to get developers hands on it and work with us. I mean, again, a little bit of like, you know, new Microsoft culture, right. like let's start, let's put an idea out there, let's try it and let's see what unfolds in terms of, and this there's is just part so of the open source announcement too, the, the, the IoT runtime. So we did, we open sourced our IoT Edge runtime. So people can take that and put it on all different kinds of devices, including this new uh, project Connect for Azure. Um, so that'll be one of the places. Uh, but then the, what we can do with this incredible depth sensor that we have, um, in addition to those uh, IoT and AI services. So it just gives a new, a new technology to the stack. So we served you the softball on the differentiation question. Is there, right. Are there any other questions that we didn't ask that you've just been waiting for? You're like, I can't wait till they ask me about this so I can answer that. I can get to that What didn't piece we ask you? Um, I actually expected you to ask more like what this intelligent edge and like hybrid and that area. I don't know if that's as relevant. It's more about build than I don't know what you're, that is relevant to your audience though. Go ahead and tell us about it. I mean, <laughs> you're like, we'll find out. Sati is a brilliant man and for real, like the real deal. Um, and he has these ideas that um, are so um, so deep and so long term that sometimes people are like, I don't know what he said. Uh, so <laughs> let's just what, follow him anyways. <laughs> I'm sure it's right, but um, <laughs> but I think what you know the. The worldview that he's created of intelligent cloud, intelligent edge, and he spent some time on his keynote, like, talk about intelligent cloud, intelligent edge. And I've gotten a lot of questions like, okay, so is that IoT? Is that mean hybrid? Like, what, yeah. what exactly is that thing that he's talking about? And so I try to break it down for folks. It literally is his point of view and a shared point of view that you know, every application type that we, we build moving forward will be this combination of the technology that is the public cloud and the technology like compute and data sitting on these edge nodes. And the edge nodes, if you talk if you think about it today, the biggest edge nodes are these giant data centers where technology is running. Right, and right. then they're using the cloud and most people call that hybrid. We talk about that as hybrid. But that data center is going to evolve into a huge set of distributed connected devices from cars to tiny little sensors and you know, refrigerators and uh, thermostats and that type of thing. And each one of those will hold application code and will be running local processing, local compute and AI and make meaningful things, not just dumb sensors that ping back to the cloud and you know, just ping on a regular basis. And so that, the edge is going to become um, maybe just as powerful as a data center, but in a far more distributed um, technology set. And so how do we think about, as a developer, how do you think about, okay, my world's going to look like that. That's, every application's going to have a cloud and edge component to it. How do I start thinking about that? And the, the, the most obvious way that happens today is IoT. And so yeah. that's we talk. We bring it right back to like, okay, this IoT is this use case people can kind of get their head around today, right now, and understand it. Um, but I do believe that will, you know, IoT and Edge will come converge over time into this just example of what this yeah. intelligent Edge looks like. I feel like we're making this chasm or crossing this chasm of like application developers, web developers, to now not just delivering a, an application to say the web and an mm -hmm. application on a phone or something like that. To now mm -hmm. think like. Well, my device could actually include a drone or a mm -hmm. refrigerator or the washing machine or just various interesting things that may end up in somebody's plate. Like, that's yep. an interesting web developer to, say, a world developer. Yeah, I like the way you put it. Ooh, a world developer. So I think I understand Intelligent Edge yes. a little better now that you've explained it because uh, I'm likening it to kind of the move away from, like, mainframes with dumb terminals. Right, exactly. Right, to more of a still a client-server model in the traditional sure. sense. But now you have the thick clients, right? So yeah. like the idea is our edge points, mm -hmm. that that button, you know, right. in your house or that thing in your fridge, right. is not going to be a sensor 
that's just sending data, which right. is what they've kind of been so far. Yes, they've been dumb, dumb edges. Dumb they've edges. A, big, a small and largely disconnected and not dumb edge. Right. right. And so now the idea is like, no, let's actually move, you know, similar to what we do with mm -hmm. thick client uh, architecture, is let's move that intelligence into the edge. Yes. Of course, still the cloud is where the bulk of the work will be, you know, yeah. maybe the, the source of truth is. Sure. But there's lots we can do in these devices. Of course, smartphones is like the number one example of like sure. a very thick client, right? Like a yes. very smart edge. Yes, absolutely. That's interesting. I didn't put it that clicked. together. See? Yeah, so like it the clicked. word intelligent edge, I was just like, it's yeah. kind of just a buzzword until yeah. now it makes sense. Yeah. yeah, that makes sense. Well, there's two things are happening right now. Yeah, what's sitting on the edge is when it, when it is even connected, it's kind of a dumb. It's just like, it's it's hot, it's cold, it's hot, it's cold, it's off, it's on. Like that's the amount of information being processed there and being like connected with cloud. But the potential there is going to, you know, blow up fast in terms of what's possible and what mm -hmm. we can run there. I mean, they even like show, they showed the, you know, an AI, a vision, uh, computer vision model running on that Raspberry Pi device. Super yeah. simple example, but there's a lot more you can do. Well, demos have to be somewhat simple to not fail in real time. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> right. That helps too. It helps. And also approachable. Right? Yeah, you so you people, get it. Right. Yeah, we're yeah. trying to get that. We really tried to put it in examples people could kind of get their head around because it is a, a, is a different way to think about the world. And so you have to, you know, like, let me show you some ways we think about it to kind of bring people along. Yeah. Well, Julia, thank you right. so much. I know we got a hard stop here soon. Yeah. So it was a pleasure talking to you. you thank guys you as well. for sharing the backstories. I, I, I personally love hearing those. Yeah, yeah. I like to have the opportunity to talk to someone like you to lean back to this history like Microsoft is a big part of my yeah. entire life and so to kind of like even retrospective back into my life and yeah. see where this company is now where it was then and the the, the process you, you took to get there yeah it's so. pretty amazing but I I love the just like I'll call it any maturation there's a lot of um, humble pie you eat along the way mm -hmm. yeah. and but it makes you better yeah. right and I, I kind of love that about Microsoft and I see other companies that are younger and you know a lot more hubris still and I think you're gonna you're gonna figure it out mm -hmm. um, where I feel like God, we have this unique wisdom that I feel fortunate to be part of. All right, that's it for today's show. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you enjoyed this show, do us a favor, share with a friend, go on Twitter, tweet a link. If you got a newsletter or a link list, add it to that. Whatever it takes, share with a friend if you enjoyed the show. And of course, thank you to our sponsors, Rollbar, DigitalOcean, and GoCD. Also, thanks to Fastly, our bandwidth partner. Head to Fastly.com to learn more. And we catch our errors before our users do around here at ChangeLog because of Rollbar. Check them out at Rollbar.com. And we're also hosted on Linode Cloud Servers. Check them out at Linode.com. This show is hosted by myself, Adam Stokowiak, and Jared Santo. Editing is by Tim Smith. Music is by Breakmaster Cylinder. And you can find more shows just like this at ChangeLog.com or wherever you subscribe to podcasts. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you next week. What you had for breakfast? What did I have for breakfast? Uh, yogurt. Okay. And something that I'm forgetting now. Toast with peanut butter for breakfast this Toast morning. With peanut butter. Yep, yep. That's a great breakfast. <laughs> breakfast of champions. Breakfast of champions. Do you ever put avocado on your breakfast? Uh, I love avocado. Anytime I can put avocado on your breakfast, it's a good breakfast. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's like you're trying to be healthy that day. You're, you're doing yeah. right by your body, and it's yeah, and one, it's delicious. one step closer to you know being good for the day. <laughs> I never put it on mine. No. no? Really? He I'm an avocado it. hater. He I don't hate it. it. 
It doesn't Aww. do anything for me. Really? You know? You're like neutral to it. I'm neutral. Fascinating. Like I like guacamole. Okay. Oh, but okay. just plain avocado, it's just like kind of. Yeah. It's like a staple in my for life. For me, it's hard for me to be good uh-huh. breakfast wise uh-huh. if there is an avocado. <laughs> I see. So if it's I don't your, have avocado, it's yeah. kind of like. It's your linchpin. Waffles, syrup. You know, bring it on. Just do it. I see. Where is the... Okay, we don't have it. Let's just go this way. I'm an on or off kind of person. My wife says, you get a flat tire, you don't slash all the tires, you fix the one. And you're like, but... But if I'm going to have avocado... You know, there's no avocado. I mean... I'm kind of like that. Waffles are open. Syrup, why and, not? And right? then there comes the bacon, right? Yeah, well, like, the bacon isn't actually that bad. No, but you know, it shows up, that's when I show up. I like Amen. <laughs> I was like, I just came oh, to did breakfast. someone say bacon? <laughs> yeah. I was like, I'm in. I was starting to you know, check out on the avocados, but the yeah. bacon came in, I was right back. <laughs> he was like, I'm neutral, I'm not neutral. <laughs>